Good morning, and welcome to Being the Change Now. Good morning, Sherry. Good morning, Ashwini. Our assignment for this week. This week, let's practice Bankai's compassionate perspective. Notice how different compassionate awareness is from the ego point of view. Notice how awareness's perception of a situation differs from that of egocentricities. Notice what is available beyond the conditioned notions of right, wrong, good, bad. Notice the quality of compassion's expression. Is there empathy, sympathetic joy, affinity, understanding, acceptance, kinship in the absence of judgment? Notice that awareness is affectionate, infinitely patient and understanding of a human being challenged by the human condition. Notice the experience of encountering no judgment from another or from the Zen teacher within. Notice how the attitude of unconditional acceptance dissolves the ego completely. Notice how the ego resists any attempt at dissolution. As always, RL. All right, here's our first caller. You are now live on the air. Would you please introduce yourself? Hi, this is Rob in Minnesota. Hello, Rob. What are you seeing? Well, I am seeing, um, I'm loving the concentration on kindness and really seeing these practice themes building and building on each other. And um, in my world these days, we've just had a loss in the family and I was mm. in, in charge of the of the Zoom, the Zoom memorial, uh, mm. and have been really um, seeing lots of ways that conditioning would want to, you know, tell its jump on this moment to tell its stories, and uh-huh. um, but seeing something, this kind of sense of support directly from life uh, that I'm really focusing on and, and, and instead of the stories. And, and the example was um, yesterday I have a class, I teach a class that's partly online and partly in person. And I've started this little tradition of on Mondays, we, the people in the classroom, before we turn on the camera, we all plan a little skit or a little something silly to do. And then we turn on the camera and do this little thing for the people at home. And then on Wednesday, the, the people at home do, do something for us. And I just was like, uh, I was buoyed up by life energy because even though I'm sad, even though I'm feeling depleted, it mm. just, um, just this sort of sense of playfulness r- rushed in. And I was reminded of um, some... Some, te- some Buddhist teachers had a kind of unusual definition of metta, loving kindness, as unconditional sense of humor, an unconditional sense of humor. And, and I just saw that kind of flooding in, because what I said yesterday was, ju- in, I don't know where the energy came from, but it just sort of swept me along. My students were so tired, their heads were down on their desk, everybody's exhausted. So I said, okay, 
somebody turn on the camera, and I'm, we're all going to have our heads down on the desk and be sleeping, and I'm going to be snoring really loudly when you, when you turn the camera on. <laughs> and we just sort of did this little thing, and, and it was like, that's the, to me, that just felt like this wave of compassion and, mm-hmm. you know, lightened things up and swept away any of the, um, you know, stories. Anyway, that's, that's well, what I'm and curious. Rob, that uh, I love it that you ended on that word. It swept away the stories. Right? It didn't sweep away the loss. It didn't sweep away the grief. It didn't mm-hmm. sweep away the love. It didn't sweep away, right? And yes, I would bet that after that class was over, you were going about in your day, and and something reminded you of the person you've lost. Uh, and you felt all of those feelings, and they were there in that moment, but they weren't the stories. Yes, no, you're exactly right. Yes, how did you know? <laughs> well, <laughs> it's, a, it's a mystery. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's, it's true. And that's even, exact, even that's exactly now, yeah, even now, mm-hmm. we're, you know, we're looking at it, we're laughing together, um, and and of course, what we're what's bringing I project what's bringing laughter in this moment is is that we're stepped back from ego, and we can see ego shenanigans and uh, recognize them for what they are. But we're here in this mm-hmm. moment, and yeah. I, I'm going to jump out here because I, I I think I know you a little, so it it feels okay to say something like this. But I bet that the the person you lost would have. Uh, a wish for your happiness that's uh, way bigger than a wish for your sadness. Yes. Yeah. I think, I think you're right. And I think, I mean, I do see that part of the hosting this zoom, you know, families are, are complicated. And so hosting mm-hmm. this zoom took a lot of energy and lightness there. Yeah. And I think I was able to kind of, you know, channel a kind of gentle humor and kindness through that meeting that kept the arguments down and kept the, the, yeah. the at, at least that's, it just sort of felt like that. And again, it wasn't necessary. I didn't plan that, but I just sort of that's tried right. to be fully there in the moment. And it's like, oh, yeah. This is what this moment needs. This could go off the rails. And how about if we yeah. point everybody's attention to these nice things, these fun things, or these yeah. good memories? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because, uh, you know, when we go, we all want to be missed. You know, we don't want yeah. everybody to just go, oh, oh, Rob died. Oh, oh, sure, <laughs> yeah. Died. Okay, well, let's see. I think I'll have a sandwich for lunch. You know, (laughs) um, now, of course, most of the world won't know when we're gone, right? But for those who do know, you know, know, we'd all like a a time of being remembered and uh, and noticing that, well, there's going to be a hole there that that person used to uh, occupy, the space, right? But we don't want people to become miserable, and no. uh, and lose the love that was there and the joy and the fun and the 
uh, all the things that life brought. But that's that's not how we want to be remembered. No, that's yeah. You're you're just pointing at something really. I'm I'm experiencing it right now. I felt it in that class yesterday, because that sadness is right here with me. It's not. It's not mm-hmm. like I'm masking it or, you know, right. Uh, hiding it. It's still with. Right. And we're we're laughing. And we're that's all right. of that can kind of coexist. That's right. And, yeah, and, and that's what really, ego doesn't want. Right? Exactly. The ego wants us to go into the story and then get more and more and more miserable and actually forget about the person that we've lost, forget yeah. about yeah. ourselves, forget about everything except ego. <laughs> and that's not where yes. we want to go. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, thank you, Rob. Well, thank that's, you. Uh, that's a wonderful perspective for us to have. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks, Rob. Jerry, the thing that I find I was most struck by in that conversation is just simply that how we navigate life uh, with the assumption that certain, if there are certain things going on, it needs to make us feel a particular way and other things going on needs to make us feel a different way. And how right. there's just a complexity of... Uh, I, I can't think of another word, facility or ability in our in our experiential domain <laughs> that allows mm-hmm. for a whole bunch of things to happen simultaneously almost or synchronously mm-hmm. in a way that mm-hmm. the, the, the linear thinking of conditioned mind can't comprehend. But life That's is just right. so organic. You can feel playful while there's grief or you can yes. be, uh, you, you know, you could matter-of-factly have a sandwich, as you were pointing out, while you are dealing with the loss of a loved one. And there's just so much complexity in how life is yeah. organic uh, yeah. that from a conditioned view, you, you can't actually experience it. And I think that's what Banka was pointing at in that story, or that story is there's always a, pers- a life perspective that is way, way, way bigger than the rigidity of conditioned thinking. Yes, Yes, because all of life is happening in every single second. Yeah. Nanosecond, whatever the tiny, all of life is happening. It, yeah. It's only, as you say, in our uh, conditioned linear thinking that, that it's sequential, not sequential. It's all happening right now, right now, right now. Everything that's possible is right now. Every emotion is right now. Every, everything is right now. And that's what... That's what Yes, Bankai is pointing at. All of those things are true. This guy steals. <laughs> this is not a good thing. We don't want this. But that doesn't make him unlovable. And, yeah. and punishing him is not going to make him better. Love is what he's missing. That's why he's stealing. So all of those things are true at once. Do we want all of, all of you to start stealing? <laughs> because yeah. no, no. All of those things are true at once. Yeah. Yeah. All right, here's our next caller. You're now live on the air. Would you please introduce yourself? Hey, Ashwini, this is Eleanor. Hi, Eleanor. Hi. Um, So I had a grand experience of seeing um, life as opposed to conditioning come in. Um, 
And I think my t- life as my teacher was presenting all for the last week things that were uncontrollable, mm-hmm. starkly I and openly. Experiences. I know. Okay. Exactly. So so last. So yeah. Yeah, So last week we're planning this big celebratory event um, outdoors, and it's raining every day, constantly. Mm -hmm. You know, and the and my cat is choosing this week to begin to leave her body. She Mm -hmm. goes to the woods, comes back. We're busy. We're stressed. But all through the whole thing, it just felt okay. It felt okay. It felt. Mm-hmm. Um, it was. It all felt like it was happening exactly perfectly, as it mm-hmm. was, mm-hmm. and with the culmination of a what I called a love fest, because I I felt like the love coming through me was everywhere. The cat left her body over the weekend during my son's wedding, and he got to come home and cry. So it's perfect. It was all perfect according to life. And this morning I got up, <laughs> mm-hmm. and conditioning showed me. The, the other side of the story, the judgment about what all was wrong. Mm-hmm. It was so obvious that, uh, you know, that I can, I can see it. Mm-hmm. Yes, so obvious that you could see it, that, uh, that, here, that in the complexity, again, as we were talking about, you know, it's challenging. A celebration outdoors shouldn't be rained on, right? <laughs> it should be wonderful weather. And yet, and you, you shouldn't have a, a beloved animal leave its body during that time. And yet there is a way in which we could be in those contradictions, right? That's really it, the, the contradiction mm-hmm. which create a source of conflict in me doesn't. That the love that is coursing through you is available at a time when conditioning said that would not be the response because you should be suffering if it's raining and you're holding an event. And yet there was the ability to be with the perfection of the unfolding as it was happening and then to watch it come in later to contradict that and you know what a lie it is because you could go with your experience. Yes, yes. And it's so, um, and so as looking at it from this moment, I see that I'm just um, looking at, that life is always like that more than in the <laughs> yes. It was so yes. big. It was like, you know, there was no time for the story. So it seemed mm-hmm. to me it was just be with life, be with life. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. today, you know, I still don't have time for the story, right? I still want mm-hmm. am with life. So mm-hmm. that's kind of what I'm seeing, the practice of that. Yes. Well, you know, Eleanor, it seems to me that uh, there's a very subtle point that you are making, which is that uh, life is always there. I mean, the, the, the immediate experience for, for most of us who are caught in a conditioned trap or in a karmic storm or any of those undulations, it always feels like conditioning is winning. But your experience is, exactly the opposite and I think Vanessa talked about it yesterday that life is always there life is always big life is always available life life is always especially in hard times when we have those kinds of experiences it really cements our our um, comprehension of the availability of life over conditioning in every moment and so when you know the awareness is collapsed or the conditioning comes in that experience assists us to redirect back to what we know to be true. 
even if it feels unavailable. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And that is the practice, the redirect of the attention as we grow into the flipping between life is the huge, as Sherry would draw it, right, that huge white space all the time and conditioning is the dot somewhere where you can't see it. We start to tip our experiential experience, you know, experience of life as that versus just that little dot that we struggle in. That's, it's just, it's really amazing and I, it feels, my faith, my faith is stronger in practice mm. and um, yes. what yes. I want, where I want to live. And, and what you are, right? Hmm. It, it really seemed, um, my experience is all I know, but it really seemed like I was able to, seem like my love was all around me. Um, mm. There was, it was shared, you know, mm. right? If, all, if I'm with life and life is in love, mm-hmm. then it was, oh, mm-hmm. no, let's not let conditioning go there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but it seemed yes, like it, is it was all around me. It really felt mm-hmm. um, like, it, it, like it wasn't me. It was the whole situation was just kind and perfect, actually, all around me. Um, so. Yeah, and if I may just reflect that, right, Eleanor, when me is not there, that is our experience. There Thank is you. no separation, and, and so it's not the me uh, of the personality, but the, yes. Yes. The, the eye of existence, which is loving and perfect. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's it, yeah. That's it. And, and all pervasive, yeah. It was all, it was all connected. We were all one, exactly. Yeah. Yes. <sighs> okay. Thank you. Thank you. So two things I particularly loved about that conversation uh, one is that uh, that place that Eleanor described so perfectly of uh, when we're present, the story can't take us because the story is so obviously not our experience. So being able to have that distance is uh, where the faith comes from, right? Where the and the the other thing that uh, I think a lot of folks struggle with is the idea that awareness should feel a certain way or be a certain way, and that if I'm really aware, then nothing bad will happen, number one, and you know I'll never get in a car accident because I'm really aware, right? So that kind of uh, false belief. And the, the other piece of that is that if I'm really aware, um, things, I'll feel the way I want to feel. Well, that's it. I'll feel the way I want to feel and things will be the way they should be. So if nothing is going right uh, and I'm feeling upset, then I'm not doing practice. But what was described is being completely aware of all of that the belief that things should go a certain way, that I should feel a certain way, being in awareness as all of that happens, that's, that's practice. That's what we want to be doing. Right? So I, I kid that uh, often, <laughs> sort of, that people, uh, ego, identified with ego, people believe that spirituality 
looks a certain way and feels a certain way. And if it's not that, it's not awareness practice. It's not spirituality. But that's, uh, and that if, you know, when you're uh, enlightened, you'll be the perfectly socialized person. Always saying and doing the right thing, always smiling, always, right? And that's just horse-pucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, horse-pucky, absolutely. Yeah, it's the first thing absolutely. we have to let go of in spiritual that's practice right. is how a spiritually awakened person would be because it's a condition that's right. anyway. You can't know it until that's you right. are it. <laughs> yeah. That's right. And when, and when you are it and you know it, it's not an issue. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, exactly. you know, but it, my, my bottom line point, of course, is what, whatever, when we're in awareness of what's going on, we need to realize we are awareness. We are not what's going on, not the voice that's saying what's going on, not the interpretation of circumstances. All of that is running through conditioned mind, and I'm aware of it. Conditioned mind isn't going to go away just because we're aware. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Conditioned mind isn't going to go away just because we are aware. I think that is the, the takeaway, Sherry. Mm. Here's our next caller. You are now live on the air. Would you please introduce yourself? Hi, this is Gail in Arizona. <clears throat> hey, Gail. What's going on? Um, <laughs> I'm just... Wow, what a uh, start to the show already. I was just <clears throat> responding to what was said. <clears throat> the uncontrolled, unconditional uncon- good humor. Mm-hmm. I, I was watching um, a, uh, getting all emotional. I was watching a histi- history drama uh, called Laughing in the Darkness, which was about mm. a Jewish uh, author, the guy who wrote Filler on the Roof. And his life in the Ukraine, in, in the Russian area, and the uh, pogroms, and, and the whole mm. Jewish experience. And, mm-hmm. um, and that's part of my heritage. <clears throat> and I was very emotional about it all. And the message that mm-hmm. kept coming through the whole thing was the same thing, is good humor. Laughing in the darkness is to be able to find the humanity in all these horrible circumstances. Yeah. And it was just so inspiring. I'm so glad. I am so glad because, of course, what happens with most people is to go to a place of desperation and despair. Mm-hmm. You know, how can human beings be like this? How can, how can people treat people like that? How can, and it's not like, you know, it's not like it's in the Ukraine in the, you know, in another era, you know, we're talking today, yeah. right? Uh, that this kind of thing is happening to all types of people, right? So that is a huge part of of um, of what we deal with as human beings, and to be inspired by the possibility of how we can be even in the horror of it. Well, and it's like you were saying that everything's happening right now. Is that when mm-hmm. I read this kind of history, when I see this kind of history, it feels so present. Yes, well, because it is. Yes, right. It's why people don't want to look at the news, right? Because we're reminded that 
yeah, this isn't far away and historical. This is right where I live right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we really do have the same challenge, right? Right, right? right now, can we? Yeah, which is what's so wonderful about being inspired. I want to be like him. Right? <laughs> I want to be like him. I don't. I don't want to hate the people who did that to him. You know, because that's not going to help anybody. I want to triumph over hatred, and of course, love and laughter. That that's the way we do it. And there, there was one line he was talking. They were quoting from one of his short stories. And they were, after a pogrom, he, he was talking about who was killed. And he was saying, in our mm. family, only seven were killed. And they talked, and he honored the seven that were killed. But he said, oh, it could have been so much worse. Wow. You know, we were so lucky. <laughs> God, what a perspective, huh? Yes. So, yes. And, you know, in practice, it, it reminds me, Gail, that we, we often talk about ego's perspective of, I go through a day, it was a perfectly lovely day, but one thing didn't go the way ego decided it should have gone, and that's the only thing in the day that matters. Right? Yes. That, just to, to compare that with somebody who's living in those circumstances and is feeling gratitude and love and appreciation and joy. I mean, who do we want to go with? You know he was not looking to ego. No, no. I'm well. Yeah, because you have to come up with something uh, to survive. Right. And right. Oh, hmm. yeah. So yeah. That, that's what I had this morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I well, I I can't resist. I have to tell you my my favorite story on the subject because okay. we're on the subject. Um, so uh, Peace Pilgrim. I don't know if you n- knew about Peace Pilgrim, but she was this woman who uh, just gave up everything and put on this little smock that said Peace Pilgrim and started walking around the country and just bringing peace. And uh, so I used to get their newsletter. um, And uh, one of the stories that they told was about this guy that they called Wild Bill Hickok. And it was when the Allied troops went into uh, one of the concentration camps to liberate it at at the uh, end of World War II. And of course, the you know the nightmare that they oh, yes. that they walked that they walked into. It was just hideous beyond anything anybody had ever seen, and uh, so and there was also this guy, and he had these great long luxuriant mustachios, and so they called him Wild Bill Hickok, and nobody could figure out who he was, but he was everywhere doing everything. He could translate for them. He he took them to the people with the you know, the best chance of surviving that they needed to get to medical people, you know, and he was just everywhere doing everything. And after things settled down, uh, somebody asked him what, who he was and what he was doing. And he had actually been in there for six years. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he, his story was that he was an attorney in Poland. And when the Nazis came in, they lined up everyone in his village against walls and machine gun them mm-hmm. but they including his wife and five children but they didn't kill him because he spoke several languages and they they eventually took him to the uh, concentration camp and he said that when that moment happened when he saw everyone everything he loved 
destroyed before his eyes. He saw what hate does. And he determined in that moment, and we can only, uh, we can only project a level of grace that we hope at some point um, drops in on us. He saw that the only way out was to choose love. And that love had to extend even to those people who had just destroyed everything that was dear to him. And so what he did in that camp was to take care of people. And because he was who he was, he had great latitude with the, uh, the guards. And they would actually give him things that he could give to people. And they would help him accomplish things that he could never have accomplished on his own. Yeah. <clears throat> I, want, I want to be... I want to be like that. Yeah. Hmm? I want to be like that. Me too. My husband tells... He knows a lot about World War II. There was an, a, a prisoner who was released, you know, at the end of the war, who then became an American, joined the army, went to Korea, and was captured by the the, uh, North Koreans and was thrown in a concentration camp. And he is credited with saving over 200 people in that camp because he knew how to do that. Yeah. Yes, it was his experience. It was the experience that he brought to the moment that was so needed. And he died at like age 95. (laughs) Good for him. Yeah. I want to be him too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's yeah, so yeah. much, so much that's possible with love that can just never, never happen any other way. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes our problems seem pretty small. Pretty small. Yeah. 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 Well, anyway, thank you so All right. much. Thank you, Gail. Thank you for that. Thanks, Gail. And Sherry, that brings us to the end of the show. And the one uh, one thing that arose for me in that conversation is how it's possible to be inspired, and that's the choice we want to make. Instead of going to that self-hating place of "I'll never be like that" or "I can't be like that" oh, in that situation, what I a good point. The occasion. And so to to what? stay in the openness and the wonder of where the resonance is, and let us see what happens in those situations because I think as Rob said when the challenges arise it's our best opportunity to experience the unconditional and whatever we have to go through to get to the unconditional is also part of that process of finding the love and being it yeah what a what a great point what what an essential reminder of exactly what ego would do uh, in the face of inspiration that would take us beyond ego. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, thank All right. you, Jerry. Well, thank you. Thank, thank you, Vishwani. Thank you, everybody. Yeah, go happy.